things that are going to affect your psyche and your ability and your results. And if you if you pretend that they don't exist or, you, or you're not dealing with them, same thing. It's, it's uh, you're crossing your fingers, hoping that it gets worked out over time. So really what we're saying is in whether it's the product, the sales process, the company you're in or stuff going on at home, at some point, everybody is going to encounter something that's not working. Mm -hmm. This is the Betterment Brotherhood Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jake Swenson. And I'm Peter Swenson. This podcast is for salespeople and leaders looking to improve their impact, increase their income, and enhance the intentionality they lead with. As brothers, we have done life together, done sales together, created businesses together, and have grown as leaders. We still strive to grow as leaders and are excited to dive into the concepts, strategies, mindsets, and skill sets exemplified by those we model. If you're seeking excellence in sales leadership and life, you're in the right place. Let's dig in. New week, new topic. New you. New us. <laughs> Welcome back to the Betterment Brotherhood. This week we're talking about how to correct or how to address and why to address things that are hidden and causing somebody to miss their goals. Um, things that we would call uh, that are not working. Things that you could call unworkable uh, in somebody's career, in their life. It's the, the hidden speed bumps that you're not dealing with or that they're not dealing with. And you, there's, there's a couple different options you can take as a sales manager, as a leader, when you see somebody that's dealing with something that's in the background. And one of those options, as Jake likes to point out, is to not deal with it, hmm. cross your fingers and hope that things turn around, which is probably done by too many people. Yeah. Option two is to just sever the relationship, quit, you quit, they quit, you quit, you know, quit pretending to make progress on this area. Uh, three is to confront the issue and to do something about it. And in in sales performance or in sales or sales leadership, typically this looks like somebody who's got an underlying hidden issue uh, in life or in business that they're not dealing with. There's some mystery to why they're missing their mark again and again and again. And your opportunity as a leader is to do something about it. Because you don't know what you don't know right? All you know is that the person is underperforming. They're not hitting their goals. They're making commitments. They're breaking commitments. And it's tough as a leader to watch somebody like that and just tear your hair out. Cause you're like, what are they, what is not, what am, what am I missing? What am I missing? How is it, how is it that I can't help this person? Because sometimes, I mean, you'll end up feeling like a failure cause you can't help them, but yeah. there's something that you don't know that's going on and confronting that, getting that out starts by figuring out what's not working. And, and that's kind of the jumping off point into all this. What would you say are some examples of things that you've seen in your 15 years of sales leadership that, that are just specific or general examples of, of what people are dealing with in the background that, that if not addressed are going to cause a breakage of performance or, or ultimate failure? Well, I, it's a good question. There's a lot of different ways to take that specifically in the job, yeah. right? Like if you're a salesperson and there's a piece of technology or a part of the sales process that is broken, that isn't working the way that you expected it to work or thought it would show up. And then every day when you're out selling and you're in the field, this thing is not working the way you want it to work and you're just upset about it and it becomes your excuse and your reason to not do well. And then if something goes wrong, it's this thing's fault and this is why I can't sell and this is why, but you don't ever bring anything up about it. And you get jaded about it and you get really upset about it. You almost start making fun of it. It's like, this is, it becomes your secret weapon in your pocket for why you sucked. 
Yeah, right. It's like, well, of course I wasn't going to do it because this piece of technology doesn't work the way that I want it to work. And or this product has this issue with it that's not being addressed. Yes. Or the product that I sell is deficient in one area. Or our price is too high. Mm. There's all these different, like if you find a product that you're the best price, you're the best quality, you're the fastest to market, you're the sexiest looking, like all of that together, there's probably five more little pieces you could put into that. It doesn't exist. You know, and if it does, there's no commission on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you've got all of that in the background of your head. And then you go meet with your manager and your manager's like, how's it going out there? And you're like, well, just, uh, you know, doing my best because you try to hide it. You want to look good. You want to look cool. You don't want to, you don't want to look like a complainer because the people who brought stuff up in the past were complainers. Sure. They brought it up and then, oh, this thing doesn't work. Shut up. And this general example is when there's something that is maybe let's call it broken or, or semi-dysfunctional or not as good as it could be within the the process, the sales process, the tools, mm -hmm. the product, the pricing, something that you would say the company could control or influence. Yep. And the longer you go along with it, that's an example of what we talked about, like crossing your fingers. Let's just hope it gets better. Let's just hope it gets better. Or that I, it just stops mattering at some point. Yeah. So that's like a specific with the job and the sales tools. Um, as a sales leader, you might also deal with people being dissatisfied with the company, right? A broken promise. Payroll was supposed to be exactly at five o'clock and it came through at 5.30 and you've got your bill pay set to go at five o'clock. That's kind of a weird example, but something like that where it's not, it's not killing you, but it's frustrating you and it's broken and it's lying underneath. Do you have a better example of something like that? Like a, uh, that, that are related to, I would say more like, like the company um, or the policies. Well, I would or, say sometimes the relationship, the yeah. management, the support levels, things that you expect as an employee that aren't being fulfilled on. And they're, again, they're, they're not being fulfilled on and they're not being fixed actively and you stay quiet about it. And then there's an, another, so that would, you know, the product itself that you're selling, the experience that you have of support or working in a business. And then the other one is, it would be really behind the scenes at home, things you're dealing with in your personal life or as an individual. This is anything from, uh, from addiction to relationship problems to uh, just, you know, disorganization in life or a lack of grounding, or you've got physical issues or spiritual issues, like things that, are going to affect your psyche and your ability and your results. And if you if you pretend that they don't exist or, you, or you're not dealing with them, same thing. It's, it's uh, you're crossing your fingers, hoping that it gets worked out over time. So really what we're saying is in, whether it's the product, the sales process, the company you're in or stuff going on at home, at some point, everybody is going to encounter something that's not working, mm -hmm. right? Or as a manager, your people will experience that at some point of, of just, it not working. And when that happens, and the most common thing to do, by the way, which we've referenced a few times, the most common thing to do is to not do anything, right? There's three, to, three things you can do. Do nothing, which is what it's like 80%. I, feel I hope like. this just gets better. I hope all of a sudden all of my problems go away. I, I hope all of a sudden I just wake up tomorrow and I've lost all the weight. Yeah. I hope that I wake up tomorrow and I actually it's slept, not, it's even not, though I was only in bed for four hours, I hope I get good sleep. It's, but it's not like, that people hope that the problem gets resolved. I think innately, you know, that the problem's not going to get resolved with your, with your weight, let's call it, if you don't take action. But what you're hoping for is that the inspiration arises. Yeah. You're hoping that, that something shifts without having to do any work, without having to confront anything and without having, you're like, you're not giving up on the dream. So you're not quitting, mm -hmm. you're not confronting it. So you're not taking it on head on, doing heavy lifting, doing hard work. Option C is like, you're hoping that things shift. Not that you magically get thinner, not that you magically hit quota, but that your inspiration increases or that your skill set just uh, multiplies or that your manager supports you in a different way without having taken action to cause that. It's pipe dream living. 
which is where most people live when yeah. they confront unworkability. Yeah. And then the second option is usually the best option if it doesn't magically get better. And that's just to quit. And that's what a lot of people do is they just say, well, I've, I've been here for six months and it never got better. I didn't do anything about it, but it never got better and it never improved the way I wanted it to. So I'm done. Yeah. I'm well, they, done. they'll think that they did things about it, but they'll usually point to, uh, they'll point to, to areas that they focused on or things they tried to tweak that weren't really the root of the problem. So you could say that there's a there's a, always a, some version of like a bottleneck of problems where everything in your life, it, again, we'll, we'll relate it to business. So if you're a salesperson and you're not hitting your quota, or your numbers or your goals and you're missing consistently, there's a bottleneck of issues, right? But there's something that's stuck in the neck of the bottle. The thing that, that's the bottleneck issue. What is the one thing that if you confronted it would free up the flow of water or whatever it is, what that would free up the channel so that the results get produced. What's the one thing? A lot of times we're looking at the things further up in the bottle, right? Not in the neck, not, not the real clog, not the one that's really jammed in there tight and it's been there for years or months, or it's the ugliest thing that you could deal with. You're looking at the other things that are kind of pretty and they're floating at the surface. You're like, oh yeah, let's, let's take this out and take that out. And, but that's not the reason it's clogged. For example, completely agree. For example, right? Uh, say, you know, turf area, if you're working in sales or your prospect list or your client list or the market that you're in, it's not to say that your market doesn't matter, not to say your area or your, your prospect list don't matter. They do have something to do with success, but you can find successful people in every market. Mm -hmm. Typically what's behind that when somebody's focused on excuses and not results is something else in their life that's not working, something else in their sales philosophy, something else in their training that they haven't dealt with and that they probably have never dealt with. On that same line, you've got you know, if you're in sales long enough, you're not always going to have a beautiful green, never done sales before salesperson. You're going to yeah. have people come in who have had past experience and the way that they used to do, they used to do it worked great at their last job. But in this job, it becomes the clog in the bottleneck, right? In this job, it becomes unworkable, but the problem is with the bottle, not with what they were doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is like, it's it's not working the sales. I used to- Well, you, that you're, like, you're the common denominator in every situation that you've had every-, every Correct. So they, so they get there, they can't discover it. They don't know what it is. It's a blind spot because for them, it's what they've always done, but it doesn't work at the new company. And they say, I've been doing everything I can and I've been looking at it. I've been trying all these different things. It's not getting better. So I quit, I'm done, I'm out. And- Then they go to the next company. And they go to the next company and then the same thing happens. Yeah. And the third piece, which is- it's not easy, right, for people just to do this, but the third option when confronted with all this unworkability is just to freaking confront it and then actually do something about it. And I don't... It, and, th and this is true for things you're confronting within yourself yeah. that aren't working. And it's also true, especially in the world of leadership and sales leadership, it's the ability or willingness to confront other people for things that they are doing that aren't working and to mm -hmm. dig enough to figure out what those things are. And it's, and if you're in sales leadership, you've been doing this a long time, you've probably had someone quit or someone leave your company or someone that like, you said, hey man, I've loved working with you, but I just can't figure it out. Like it's just not working and they leave. And then two years later, you're having a beer with them and you find out it's because they didn't like the color of the uniform and they felt like the uniform, they couldn't be really good with customers because it clashed with their eye color. Some stupid crap like that, that they were like, well, I just hope all of a sudden they change the uniforms and then they don't. And then that, so then they just quit. They're like, well, I guess it'll never get better. So I'm out of here. Instead of just standing up, going to your manager, going, look, the problem 
is this I'm having a really hard time selling in this uniform. It's a horrible example, but you get the point. Gotta right? pick better examples. That was <laughs> I think it was pretty good. But there are stupid reasons to quit something. Yeah. Oh, this piece of technology never worked and da, 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 and this never works. Like, no, you never asked me about it. You never walked up and said it. And as a manager, it's our responsibility to dig that stuff out. To be clear, I don't I don't think that what you're describing is the biggest source of these problems. Typically it is the behind the things thing, scenes. It's what they're doing or not doing in their life that causes them to be ineffective. I don't know that it's typically something in the sales process or typically the uniform issue or typically the pricing issue, but all of those things are examples of if they really bug you and you don't confront it, you will end up losing because mm -hmm. the, the cross your fingers and pray method doesn't work. Well, I think it's through that confrontation that you get back to the, the thing. Right, I don't actually kind of disagree. I don't think it's it's good to assume. Well, it's a red herring. The well, uniform color is a red herring. It might be. Well, the, the guy that you always. sat down with and had a beer with, who said the the uniform was too yellow, and you're like, wow, that might be true. Wow, that's. I wish you would have told me. How'd your other job go? Oh, you mean my last three jobs I've had in the last two years? Their uniform yeah, sucked uniform too. Sucked. <laughs> I mean, like that's no. I, it, it's. I would argue it's typically a red herring, but it's an access point to have a conversation about the real thing. Mm -hmm. At least if your people are not satisfied themselves with sucking, they can have a conversation. And, and, if, and if you're the type of leader that welcomes that type of conversation, you can figure out what they think the problem is. And then you will have the opportunity to dig deeper into what it actually is. Because my guess is you, you'll have a better you'll have a better ability to probe and ask questions and help them to get real about the, the things that aren't working than they will clearly if they think it's the uniform. But they probably don't think it's the uniform. They probably yeah, know what it might. is. They, they probably might. know. They probably know what it is. They probably know that if they're not, like if they feel lethargic all the time because they're getting four hours of sleep a night because they're watching three hours of Netflix, that there's something to do with that in their life that's out of that's out of whack, that's causing them to not be clear or focused or productive. They probably have some idea that they don't set powerful Let me give you goals. Can I give you a different example? Yeah. So forget the uniforms, Okay. but you've got a, you and I both worked for companies in the past that had, had reviews that were not great, right? Sure. Not all of them, but a couple that were just like, man, it really sucks. I wish we could get that review gone. And if a guy is constantly dealing with the, just being frustrated that when a customer looks them up, they've got this just negative review staring them in the face that has nothing to do with how much Netflix they're watching or how much sleep they're getting. But if it's never brought up, if it's never confronted, then they could quit for that reason and go, look, the reason was I just could never, is there coaching? Is there stuff that you could do? Yeah, but it is almost, I mean, that's the reason why they're not because they're letting that affect them. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And they're letting it get in their psyche and there's coaching to do in there, but it's not deeper than that. It's not like, okay, so it's the bad reviews. Well, tell me about your mother. What was it like growing up in that household? Like you don't have to have this. I don't think you always, we're talking about slightly different things. Like there are some things that are literally just like, really, that's it. That's the thing that's actually frustrating you. Well, let's talk about how to either not have little things frustrate you, or let's talk about how we can fix that thing. And if it's not really... If it's the other scenario where you're talking about, the, I think the difference here is that you're, I think that you're, what you're speaking from probably is in some ways is more intended. Like when you're picking out what you're struggling with versus helping somebody else to get to the source of what they're dealing with as a sales leader, as a coach or mentor or manager, you're oftentimes probing to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, most of the lack, you know, most of the poor performers are dealing with something more than a uniform issue or more than a pricing issue. They're dealing with, you know, if, if it's a pricing issue, I, I would say that that points to the fact that they're not bought into the product. So getting yeah. 
bought into the product or the pricing matters. You can't sell, you should never try to sell something you're not bought into. I completely agree with you. But, as, think, a, but as a manager, are you allowing their poor performance to slide or are you willing to dig in and have a tough conversation and, and perhaps risk discovering that they shouldn't be on the team or risk having an uncomfortable conversation where they, maybe they judge you or that you, that you might go too hard because it's the first time having it. But if you don't go and deal with the breakdown of performance, then you're crossing your fingers and hoping that things change with them. Yeah. I think, yeah. You're not, you're you not can wrong. Keep going. I you're just not think wrong. There's, there's two different, there's two different levels to this. You're definitely more on the, like the deeper side of it. I think part of me wants to, so there's things that aren't working. And if someone is struggling, you want to get to the bottom of why they're struggling and help them overcome it. Yeah. That is a sales leader's job. I get that. Yeah. If you're a salesperson, that's part of this too. If you're a salesperson or you're in leadership and you've got something that irks you about the company, either quit or deal with it. That's kind of my point is there's, there's two very distinct conversations in this world of like, just grin and bear it. A silly example. Again, like the uniforms, if the office is too cold and every day you come in and the office is too cold and you've got all this other deep stuff that Peter's talking about and you're dealing with all this, even if you get past that, the office is still too cold and you still don't like coming in every day. Sure. So freaking confront You'd it. want somebody to quit because the office is cold? No, but people do. <laughs> and it's not even that they quit because of that. Maybe they don't quit for that reason. They quit for another reason. Okay. And then someone goes, why'd you quit that job? They're like, well, I had a lot. They don't, they're not going to bring up the deep issue. They're going to okay. bring up all the surface stuff that was, it's like, you could have just told us some of that stuff and I, and made it better. I, I agree. Good. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. If there's surface level things that you're not dealing with and you don't like that, again, you, cause they add up, you haven't, yes. And you have an obligation to be responsible for your own success, especially when it's just like disagreements with small, seemingly trivial, trivial mm -hmm. item, trivial items. That's more of a, you know, stop letting your ego prevent you from having a slightly uncomfortable conversation. Which, like if a guy's got awful halitosis or, mm -hmm. or a gal's got horrible breath, I've always been the manager that says, Hey, I need to have an uncomfortable conversation with so, you. I'm uncomfortable having it, but I have to tell you something because please I stand back <laughs> Well, I have this conversation with and, least, and I'll have it at but least your, four your, feet. Your point is my point is that that's a habit. Yeah. What you're really good at did not start that way. It started, it started with you telling someone Hey, it's cold in here. And they're like, what do you mean? Like it's freaking cold in here. Like, I don't want to be in this office if it's cold every day. And then you became a leader. You became a stronger leader. And you're like, Hey, you're not doing very well. And your stats don't match up with that. What's going on? Well, I just did. And then as you got more and more developed, you're able to have these deeper conversations. And so if you're in the sales world and you're listening to Peter talk about having these deep, long conversations and you've like, I don't even like confronting people that it's cold in the room. It's going to be a hard time relating with you. Okay. So I'm saying it's a buildup. It's a habit. You're just so freaking good at it. I think sometimes you forget the, the lower part of it is it does start somewhere and it starts with being willing to speak up about things that aren't working, even if they're seemingly small. Good. I agree. Now for the deep stuff. Yeah. So when somebody, stuff. when right. somebody is underperforming <laughs> and you are helping them to understand or confront, or you're digging in to figure out like, what is the root of this thing? Mm-hmm if they're not willing 
if they can see it and agree that the root is is, is somehow related to this this thing in the in the background, their relationship or their, it could be health, it could be their mindset, it could be their ongoing skill set development. If you can help to help them to discover where the bottleneck is, I think that is another place to apply these you know, three options. Right? Is number yeah. one, are you just going to not do anything about this, or we talk about it, we agree it's an issue, we both know it's a bottleneck, and you leave it alone? Not a good option. Nothing's going to change. I, from experience, there's nothing in my life that I've left alone that has magically helped it. Like it, I, I don't, I can't think of a situation that has just magically cured itself. Yeah. Uh, from health to relationships to spirituality to finances, like there isn't an area of life to my own development that has cured itself by me leaving it alone. It's only been when I have been willing to confront what I'm not doing or what I'm doing that doesn't work, that's consistently creating the result that I say that I don't want. Once I finally go and work on that thing, I get a new result. And, and our salespeople and the people that, that we are expected to lead, they, are, they sometimes need help. I mean, that's your job as leaders to help people get to that point where they mm -hmm. say, look, are you, if you're really committed to creating a result and you don't want excuses to be the thing that you accept anymore, then how do we unclog this bottleneck? What is actually the most important thing? Is it your schedule? Is it your relationship? Is it your health? Is it your skill? Is it your mentality? Is it your spiritual groundedness? Like what is it that is the number one thing causing you to be ineffective? And are we willing to deal with it? Are you willing to deal with it? And if you're both can, if you both can get to this place through through a healthy conversation of coaching and probing that you're staring this problem in the eyes and the, then either they are going to say that's great let's talk about something else or they're going to say I'm not willing to deal with that and you'll kind of quit either either literally quit or just mm -hmm. quit that part of their evolution and transformation or you deal with it and it's uncomfortable but that's how you create value as a leader especially if people don't know how to confront on their own. And that's part of what you're there to do with them is to dig in, figure out what's not working and help them to discover a solution. That's not a comfortable process, but it's super valuable. Thoughts. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good, that's a good rant. Uh, it's what, what is your value as a leader? Your value is to help take someone who's not where they want to be find the bottleneck, show them the bottleneck, and then hold their feet to the fire to either do something about it or understand they're not going to get better. Exactly. That's the mean way to say it, but it's like that, that is the, so there's, I, I figured out where our brains are a little bit different. Yeah. There are things that we know are not working in our lives. There are things that we know are not working at work. There are things yeah. that we already know. If you're watching this, you're like, I know that this is the thing that always bothers me. My message to you, don't live in a world of hope it gets better. Freaking do something about it or quit. That's it. If you don't know what's holding you back, that's the job of a manager to sit down or sales leader is or to sit down. Leader, coach, leader. why people have coaches, it's, life coaches, business coaches. It's all of those things, right? And you're sitting down and you're going, Let, help me figure out what's wrong. And if you're a great leader, you don't wait for people to come say, help me. You say, hey, I can tell that this guy's having an issue. Come to my office, let's talk. And you dig and you dig and you dig and you dig and you find the thing. And now it goes from unknown to known. And it's like, hey, now we know where the problem is. Please don't sit here and pretend it's gonna get better. Either do something about it or quit. One of my coaches a few years ago, Chip, 
uh, he told me that leadership is not predicting points of failure before they happen without doing something about it to circumvent the failure, right? Leadership is not just being able to notice or predict failure points. If you ever find yourself laughing about the predictable or inevitable future of somebody's success or failure, and you're in a position of leadership for them, or you desire to provide value as a leader for them, leadership is doing something that changes the predictable future of failure or helping them to change the predictable future of failure. Mm-hmm. But but um, what did I say? Projecting, not projecting it. But predicting it? Predicting it. Yeah. Predicting somebody's failure is in many ways and not doing something about it is a, a horrible demonstration of providing value as a leader. I know there's some, I know no, there's no, some versions gonna, that are like, yeah, you, you got to let them fail no, to no, learn no, no, the hard no, no. lesson. I'm, that's not what I'm getting. Forget that. That is also true. But, that wasn't my hand. But up. the big failures. My yeah. hand up was this, is there are leaders who can identify the problem, but they, they know their problems yeah. and they're not dealing with them. Okay. Super so good. they can't sit and go, all right, Timmy, Let's deal with your problems. You either need to deal with it or quit. And in the back of their mind, they're like, because I'm not dealing with any of my, like you, it just, there's, there's no power in that conversation. So the hard part, as I would, Peter would say, the joy of being a leader. And I'm like, oh, the hard part of being a leader is you the have burden to of leadership. Be, the burden of leadership is you can't have power in a conversation if you're not doing the thing you're telling somebody else yep. to do, which doesn't even coaching have, them to do. And it doesn't even have to be specifically in the area of life that you're talking to them. It's about your own bottleneck. Mm-hmm. If you've done the work to understand your own bottleneck and you are not doing anything about the thing that's preventing you from accessing the next level of results. It's very hard to have a conversation with you. Your ego will not want you to have a conversation with somebody about that because it will get so confronted in the process, but you can, but you can hide a lot of it, right? You can have issues. You can have your own bottleneck and you're ignoring your bottleneck and you'll have an average producing organization and they'll do okay. And then from a 10,000 foot view, you're the underproducing person. And your bottleneck is something you then your the job of your leaders to come in and say, hey, I have a, so. <laughs> a cool way to connect this idea. So today I had a conversation with with one of the guys that, that we both work with. And it was about the value of going through an educational and development process as a leader and being able to take what you're learning and what you're applying to your own life and your own situation and diffusing it and sharing it with the people that you lead. Because when you're going through something and you're experiencing the benefits in real time, it's very easy to powerfully convey the value of that process or that discovery, that journey, that skill, that mindset, whatever it is, to a person that you're leading. This is a good example of if you've got the bottleneck in your life that you're working with, regardless really of what area of life it's in, if you're willing to take, if you're courageous enough to take it on and begin working on it, you will immediately be interested in helping others to discover their bottleneck. And you will find yourself with a lot of firepower when it comes to that conversation in explaining why it matters for them to deal with it. And you'll probably find yourself sharing what you're dealing with. And that type of vulnerability, uh, that openness, and that like that joint venture of growth as a leader is a very enrolling for people. It's, it's very, very easy to buy into a leader that is, that is uh, providing value to you while continuing to work on themselves and bringing you along for the journey mm-hmm. or inviting you to come along in the journey. Powerful stuff. Pa- pa- powerful stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of a question for you that I, it popped up and it went away, but it's um, okay. So, what's your feeling on this? I think 
I think I know the answer, but I'm not sure. You've got a, you're dealing with something in your life. I can only think of extreme examples. They're not great, but you're dealing with something in better your than life. A yellow shirt. It was in my mind. It was a red polo. <laughs> a but red polo. You're, oh uh, yeah, the, the infamous red polo. Yeah. So red you, means stop. So you're uh, you're dealing with something. You've got uh, a parent issue, broken family. I don't know. You've got an addiction. You've got something that you're mm-hmm. dealing with, and one of your sales reps is not confronting their sleep schedule. Yeah. Right. Like at what point do you go, okay, maybe the thing I'm dealing with is a little heavy and I need to water it down. Cause I don't want, but Billy who's worked here for two weeks, he's like, well, mom, I like my new job, but turns out my boss is a crack addict. He's been, he's been working at it for a couple months now and it's really inspiring. And he told me to go to bed earlier. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, well, th- this is about using good judgment. Okay. And, Cause, cause and I think I some people would general, listen to this and they would go that far. Well, if you have deep, <laughs> deep, yeah, don't do that. If you've got, there's a difference between being vulnerable and being irresponsible. Okay. Good point. And I, I, I guess what I can say is it's a judgment call. And if you are a leader, hopefully you have good judgment. It's hard. We don't have, I don't, I don't know how to teach somebody good judgment. Yeah. Um, you, at this point, you probably have good judgment or not, but use, use discernment in what you share with people. It is what I would say. And okay. when there are deep levels of trust and alignment and a, and a history of, uh, you know, long history of work together, there are uh, fairly few things that ought to be completely off the table. Like there's, there's really a lot. I mean, we the are all key human. point. Is it, you we're all a, humans, a relationship. Yeah. You've got, you've got to have a relationship. A you got to have trust. In, yeah. Don't do this with a guy who's two weeks in and tell him about all your like, yeah. Small doses at appropriate times. But uh, being willing to dive into a hard conversation uh, with somebody who's clearly struggling to unclog a bottleneck and sharing with them a story of how you've done it, especially recently, and why you did it, or how long it took you to confront the thing that you weren't willing to confront, and the impact or, or the benefit when, when you did. It's, if you're going to be an impactful leader, you've gotta be willing to have these tough conversations. And the great part about it is, like you said, it's a habit. The more often you have a conversation about somebody's bad breath, proverbially speaking, or, or their awful sleep habits or the, the attitude that seems to always need a little bit of tweaking. You try to really figure out what's at the source of it. The more often you're having those uncomfortable conversations, the more comfortable you are inside of them. I had a, it's a good point. And on the, on the vein of, of relationship and how long you've known somebody or how deep your relationship is, it's, it's not even about time. It's just about connectedness to somebody. Um, I was, speaking with somebody yesterday about this. And he said, you know, what I love about you is if I'm ever messing up, you're just going to tell me that I'm sucking. Like I'm messing up. Don't do that. Why would you ever do that? Don't ever do that again. But he and I have a relationship where I can speak very frankly. Yeah. Right. And it's because we've talked about the ways we've messed up this job and the ways that like, here's how I messed it up and here's how you messed it up. And then, Hey, when you do that, just don't, don't do that. Like, why would you ever do that? Stop it. Knock it off but there are other people that you might not have that type of relationship with them. And so you have to build, build that type of trust through vulnerability, through sharing through here. I get what you're going through. Here's what it was like for me three years ago when I was learning that skill. This is the first time I got a customer complaint. Here's the first time that I got put on probation at work because of X, Y, and Z because this happened. And yeah. if you don't have those examples, uh, clearly don't make them up, but good for you. If you don't, like, if you don't, I don't have never been on probation, but like you, you have to connect with people before they'll be willing to listen to you. Because if you don't have expertise in confronting your issues, 
right? You need to be an expert. They need to look at you and go, man, this guy's had experience confronting his issues. Let's go with it. But if they just see you as the perfect guy who's always in the front of the room, sometimes it sounds a little bit like do as I do as I say. Yeah. The I'll maybe wrap up with this. If they understand that your intent is to help them, if they know you well enough or or it's clear enough in the way you conduct yourself or have the conversation that you are there to help them win. If you, if, if you make that your mission and it's clear in how you speak to them and it's clear in how you uh, coach them, that you are there for them to win. It's not for you. It's not for the benefit of you or just for the benefit of the company or the benefit of the team. It is you care about them winning and that's why you're willing to have an uncomfortable conversation, which is something you can say directly. Uh, then having that tough conversation becomes a lot more uh, accessible. Keynote on that. I did this early, let's connect. I did this early on in my career is sometimes I would tell people like, hey, I really care about you. And so I really wanna confront you on this issue so you can do better. But in my head, I was like, and sell a bunch and make me money, right? And I think there is some, you have to mean it. When you tell somebody like, I care more about our relationship and you becoming a better person than you being a great salesperson at our company, you have to mean it. Because if you don't mean it, it just, it, it comes across as a tactic. It comes across as sleazy. Yeah. I don't know where- I'm sorry to hear that you're so sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to anybody who felt that way, but no, really it was, it was, there were times, I remember, but that's just sales as a whole, right? Like yeah. the first time you're ever selling something and your manager's like, well, that's you have the, to not care about selling in order to sell. And so you're like, I, I, I don't, I don't care if you buy it, but you really do. We talked it's about just, this it's false in an earlier pod, like in maybe the first one they did, which is why you came to leadership or, or the, the, the manner in which that you got excited or motivated to become a leader. If it was self-centered, cause you wanted the attention and the accolades and the money and the whatever or it's super selfless and you just mm -hmm. want to go make a difference for people. Uh, I, th I think to connect a dot, even if you were motivated early on by uh, self-centered reasons, you'll never achieve the success that, that you aimed for unless you become more focused on other people winning. Totally. And, and that was, and that's the shift that, that for was you was year seven, year six, less natural. Yeah. <laughs> it was like year five and a half. I was at a, a training and I remember standing up at one point I'm like, can we just, can everybody just shut up and like stop doing this? She's like, why do you, why are you arguing with everybody? I'm like, cause I don't care about anybody else. Oops. That was that. Okay. That was confronting. And I realized that I didn't, I was very yeah. selfish and that was That'd be advanced in course. my, yeah. In my early twenties, I was like, I literally don't care about any of these other people. And the lady looked at me and I was like, who that was, I can't believe I just said that out loud. I'm a leader and I realized I didn't. And so I, I really, to be clear, you were not leading that you were at a seminar. I was at a okay. seminar. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, not in front like of the room. The, the I looked at the <laughs> seminar leader and I'm like, Get, just have, I'm not here for any of these other people. I just care about me. And anyways, from that point on, I was able to authentically look and sit with people and say, Hey, I actually genuinely do care about you. I yeah. care about your well-being. I care about your success. I care about your fulfillment in life and as a leader and all of that. And then Surprise, surprise. And to have much conversations like this that could actually alienate or end a relationship because they're that tough and they're that significant, you have to be, you have to care most about the betterment of the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to risk the relationship, willing to risk the, the job or the position, and certainly the comfort and the dynamic of the relationship because you care so much about them winning. And, and that's, uh, that goes with many different aspects of the, of the, um, the labor of love or the burden of responsibility of leadership is that you're, you're doing it from a place of commitment that your people win. You, this is gold. So you, 
as a leader, what you said is gold, not what okay, I'm about Ruth. to say. It wasn't like <laughs> this part is going to be awesome. No. Well, let's end with it. So make it good. Well, We're ending with it. It's remember when I said there's the unknown and the known, right? Mm-hmm. You know it yourself. If you know it yourself, you need to care enough about your own success to do something about it. And if you discover it in somebody else, you got to care enough about their success to get them to do something about mm-hmm. it, to enroll them in doing mm-hmm. something about it. And that is, it's really the crux of it. If you know what's going on, do something about it. And if you're a leader, help people discover it so that, and then you can empower them to do something about it because that's. But don't pretend. Don't, don't pretend. pretend like nothing's going on. Don't cross your fingers and hope. If you pretend to, in that regard, you're pretending to be a leader with yourself or with others. And we don't want that. No, we don't. We don't. So thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Make sure to hit the like button, the subscribe button. Make sure to share this thing. Uh, We really do want to make a difference with the sales leaders that are out there in the world. And the only way that more people will see it is if more people have the opportunity and have it pop up in their feed or see the likes. So please share it. Yeah. Comment, like, subscribe, share, and go crush this week.